5678. Hello and welcome to Dance Talks. Today is April 19th, 2020, and my guest is Ratha Kumar. She is the founder of Anjali Center for Performing Arts, started in 1975. Ratna, thank you for being a part of Dance Talks. It's an honor and a pleasure to be on this. Thank you so much. So Thanks for being here. I'm so excited to get to know you even better. Would you tell me about your journey from India and, and when, when it happened and how you did it? Well... I was a very reluctant, uh, um, I guess, uh, uh, what do you say, uh, expat, because, um, oh, you know, uh, what is, visitor to the U.S. at that time. And I kept thinking that I was going to be a visitor, that I would be returning, because I was in my 20s, and at the peak of my career, I was traveling the world, performing, I was very well-known, I had danced for presidents, prime ministers, and... You know, I was uh, living it up. I was part of a very well-known theater group. Um, my world was dance. I was, I was an, uh, an English professor in um, college. So my world was teaching, dancing, traveling, performing, and uh, very carefree. And, uh, but I realized soon enough that, you know, I will have to settle down sometime. I, luckily, I got married to someone I knew very well who was into theater himself um, and um, uh, loved music and dance and was uh, so encouraging that if I am where I am today, it's because of Anil, my husband, who was, went out of his way to make sure that I was always known and that I did not lose anything out by um, moving to, at that time, an unknown land for me where there, was, uh, there were less than 500 Indians in Houston when I arrived. And uh, I had very long hair, and people used to keep touching my hair and saying, is this real? And they would be surprised that I spoke good English. Um, and they would ask me, where did you learn this language? And I would tell them, um, in India. And <laughs> people would think that maybe people came, who came from India uh, didn't all speak English. Some didn't, of course, but it used to be um, very, very, um, it was a lot of fun. Um, I used to walk around the neighborhood. My husband and his friends owned the first Indian restaurant in all of Texas. It was called Maharaja on Amherst Street in the Rice Village. And uh, I used to walk around there. It was so good. In those days, you could walk anywhere and made friends with all the businesses around. Um, and everybody was so welcoming. It was a, a wonderful place to be. I felt so um, welcomed that... Um, Pretty soon, I was not missing home anymore, though I was, you know, first one week I cried so much, Anil wanted to send me back. But, um, <laughs> but um, um, I uh, did not, I'm not somebody who regrets actions. I got married, I mean, I, I knew I was getting, going to get married and move. And uh, so I made the best of, uh, you know, of whatever life gave me. I uh, didn't... Uh, I didn't ask for much. I just wanted to continue dancing. That was the only thing for me. And I made sure that the, it was then the Houston International Festival was Main Street Festival then in 75. And I called. I said, I want to dance. I was dying to dance. I used to go to class every single day and practice for hours and dance. And I was dying. I couldn't sit at home not dancing. So I called anything possible. 
they were starting the Houston Arts Alliance, it was called uh, Cultural Arts um, um, Council of Greater Houston, Catch of Houston and Harris County. And I called them and I said, um, I want to come and join. So I read somewhere that there was some Asian festival going on. I called Glenda Joe. I want to be a part of this. Uh, can I come and dance? So I just, uh, mm. it was not really trying to become famous or anything. I just wanted to dance. I just wanted to physically yeah. dance. So <laughs> I was so happy that I, there were some opportunities. And of course, the Indian community suddenly realized they had a dancer in their midst. And the mothers were, um, were calling me every single day saying, please, can you teach? Can you teach? I really had not thought of teaching. I wanted to perform. I wanted to travel. I wanted to do my PhD. I had even um, applied to and been accepted at Rice University to do my PhD in English. And uh, I had to turn it down because later on when I started thinking about what exactly is important to me in my life, what do I want to do with my life, then I realized that what was I going to do with English? Speaking proper English, I had learned already by doing a master's. So now I didn't really need the PhD to continue my dance, which was more important. So I said, okay. So this was a very, um, I was very aware of what steps I was taking. And uh, I've never regretted that because teaching has brought me the greatest joy, the greatest rewards. And so in 1975, my journey as a teacher began, which... And it was uh, in addition to a performer. Until then, I was a performer, a choreographer. And now I became a teacher, a performer, and a choreographer. And uh, in a way, an arts educator, too. Because many of the children who came to me uh, were not at all connected with their Indian culture or heritage. and knew very little. They, many of them, uh, the parents were working, full-time work jobs, didn't have time. We had our grandparents in India. The families are all joint families, and somebody or the other would tell you the mythological stories and uh, history and everything. And we knew so much by the time we were you know, out of school. We had our lessons in both mythology and history, um, and these children were lacking in that. So I became a storyteller. I became a teacher. I became a, a mentor. Um, and I... Um, um, kind of expanded their horizon by not just sticking to dance, but by spending a lot more time with them. I had just a few students, so I spent hours with them, teaching them many other important things. And uh, I'm, I'm so happy I, I did that because in the process, I learned a lot. I learned what it is to teach. I was teaching English, which is very different, standing and teaching English. You, know, you stand and teach 100 kids, but here, actually getting up and teaching dance, I found out it was more difficult because I was working with children, not young adults, like in, I was teaching in college in India, teaching kids, you know, pre-K, K and above. It required a lot more patience, a lot more understanding, um, empathy. Um, and I, uh, I felt that it made me a better person, the, the teaching process. It did. I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And I became a better person. And I, um, I think my dancing improved because while teaching, you cannot afford to make mistakes. You have to do the correct thing to show them. You cannot get slack. You have to do properly so that they have a role model and they can look up and do properly. And I think 
uh, that the onus was upon me to do well myself so that I can um, inspire my students to do well. So I had to always, I used to practice a lot <laughs> to <laughs> be um, good enough to be able to teach class. But it was a right. wonderful uh, experience uh, to be given that opportunity and that honor to have brought the first Indian Dance Institute to Texas and to the southwest of the United States. I will always, you know, I will die with pride in my heart that I was able to do something different, to contribute, to use my own Indian artistic background to um, enhance the art scene of uh, Texas and beyond and um, um, I guess make some small difference in the growth of the arts here in this, in this country. And I'm very proud of that. We're so glad you've done it. You opened your school five years before I was born. <laughs> and I... You're a kid. <laughs> yeah. I grew up celebrating... Diver oh, just... I, I grew up celebrating diversity. That was, that was like the motto of, you know, 1990... Uh, and... In this in this town, you know, celebrating diversity that was all over our our uh, our middle school walls, you know, and it was you who brought that pride and knowledge and heart and patience, so that you preserved and spread this amazing, beautiful thing that you do. Thank you. I was raised in a in an extremely liberal family where um, my parents, my grandparents believed that uh, art should be shared and art cannot, it, it's not, you cannot possess it and be possessive about art and that it is meant to be given. Before I started my school, I was so scared. I said, oh my God, I, do I have the knowledge? Am I uh, capable of teaching dance? Uh, is, is this something that I even should be thinking of? And I called both my teachers because I wanted their approval and their, I wanted their permission. And because in India, teachers are next to God. We, uh, I would never question my teacher, whatever they told me. They said, jump in the well, I would have jumped into the well. So I called both my <laughs> teachers and both of them, in different words, they said the same thing. My first teacher when I was four, and since I was four, all my entire life, I had only one teacher for Bharatanatyam. I didn't go from teacher to teacher ever because she was so good. And when I called her and I said, please, teacher, tell me, I'm getting so scared. I'm only still in my 20s. Do you think I'm really, I mean, I always thought of teachers as older. What knowledge do I have to teach? And she said, what is the point in your having studied since the age of four, so many years, if you do not want to even um, share it with anybody else? What do you want to do? Live there and just not want to pass it on to anyone? Just keep it yourself? and just you dance and that's it, over. She said, that's not right. You need to think of sharing it with others. Then when I called my Kuchupudi, my teacher, then he said, you know, our scriptures specifically say this. When you die, you cannot take with you to the grave either money or your art or your knowledge. Knowledge and money you should dispense with during your lifetime. Because when you are gone, you don't take any of that with you. So he said, I think you should teach. Because that way, your knowledge will improve 
you're not giving anything away. In, in fact, you will become more knowledgeable as you start giving it to other people and uh, with their blessings. You know, and that's, I, I realize that it's true though. Art is something that you need to, you know, when we were kids, when we, we used to read a lot, we used to say, hey, you need to read this book and give it to our friends because we wanted them to share it. And I feel that art is the same thing. Hey, you know, you know, this is beautiful. I want you to try this. Why don't you look at it? So that's how I feel when I go watch other art forms too. I'm just so, you know, completely enveloped by this cocoon of, of beauty and, you know, and love and warmth. And I think, oh my God, who created these beautiful things? And I feel that others should feel the same thing about, about uh, Indian dance too. So I'm, if, you know, if, if I have been able to contribute something, I'm glad. It's strange, you know, you were talking about uh, sharing and, you know, you went, maybe I came to your middle school and performed too at that time. I don't know because I have performed um, the length and breadth of Houston and beyond yeah. Woodlands, Kingwood and even Beaumont. I can, I can guarantee you, you did not come to my school. I would never have forgotten it. It would have changed my life and I would have been blown away and I would have fallen in love with Indian dance far sooner because I fell in love with it the moment I saw it. What, what, came, to, what came to our school was actually a flamenco dance company and it was just that one time, like that one presentation. There wasn't any other, you know, we didn't have like young audiences back then. We didn't have a, like a school tour kind of uh, arts uh, no, scene. No, young audiences started in the 80s because I have been a member I just found, I was getting rid of old papers and I found uh, a young audience um, catalog from 1988 with my picture, Indian dance. So from 1988 and maybe around that time, I have been a member of young audiences. And um, at that time, this, you know, I realized that's when I really began believing very seriously in arts education. Because I feel it's not like getting a degree in arts education, but I feel that you need to educate every child in the arts, at least to get a tolerance and an appreciation and a love for the arts. Somewhere you need to light that fire early in life. And so I particularly chose elementary schools and I, I don't even remember how many hundreds and hundreds of schools I have been to. But that is very significant. For me, it's a, it plays a very significant role in my life arts as a, uh, as a tool for educating, for informing, and for um, not just bettering people's lives, for uh, making them definitely more sensitive. Right. Well, my K through 12 education had that one performance, and the principal introduced them as flamingo dancers. <laughs> The, the first time I saw Indian dance and world dance, and, and my memory was in a world dance college course at the University of Chicago, taught by Ke Terry Crews. And she, she, I have a book on my shelf right, right next to me. Uh, she gave us books and showed us videos. Wonderful. That's what I do at Rice University. I show videos and I tell them, I teach one kind of dance, but if you think that this is all there is in India, I want you to see there's a world out there that nobody knows about, and you need to see all this. And I take them videos of different forms of Indian dance, including folk, make them watch all the different kinds. 
just to tell them these are just glimpses of the, the, the diversity. We were talking about diversity. I was on the mayor's arts task force, and in fact, I chaired that committee on diversity when they were introducing the arts council. There was a rehaul of everything, and all um, the they started uh, the the forms were changed, and the um, um, requirements was changed, and they had put in these new classes about cultural diversity, diversity in boards, diversity in programming, and that became a very, very, very big thing when you know around the time that you're talking about it was the uh, the buzz cultural diversity because suddenly Houston started becoming um, very, very diverse. You know, also in, in the communities were getting so diverse, and I think it became uh, integral to the mayors at that time to understand and see and introduce that into the arts. And I'm so glad they did that because it just gave a fillip to uh, lots of artists like me to become, to be emboldened to um, seek more opportunities and um, to um, look for more um, avenues to participate in the mainstream events. When did you serve on the task force? This was in the late uh, 80s, early 90s. When was Mr. At that time, Bob was the... Mr. Bob Lanier was the mayor during his time. During his time. I was also on the um, uh, Miller Outdoor Theater Advisory Board. Uh, I was a mayoral appointee. Wow. What a pioneer. I actually, I was the first Indian woman to have been nominated to the Texas Women's Hall of Fame. I have no idea to this day who nominated me, how. I got a letter in the mail. And of course, I didn't win it because you know, this was too early. And I guess many people didn't know me. And then decades later, Renu Kator just became, she just became a Hall of Famer. And I felt so proud. And I told her, I said, you know what? I kind of beat you to it to the nomination, except I didn't get. <laughs> I said, I have, because I didn't achieve what you did. She said, no, you did. I said, no, you, you are somewhere else. You're up there. And I felt so proud that she got it. But um, because I guess they did not, did not know of too many Indian artists who have done maybe many things. And so and whoever recommended my name thought that I did something. So Awesome. That was good. I also got a congressional recognition. Also, I don't know from who recommended my name. I have no idea where these came from. I kept getting random letters. I once got in the mail three certificates for volunteerism from President George W. Bush, Governor Rick Perry, and from the mayor. And I said, well, I used to, actually, I volunteered. I went and performed. Um, I did some um, free courses in hospitals, Shriners and Texas Children's. I would go and dance for the children and also to geriatric hospital. I felt so bad. I said, these people can't get out anywhere. So I volunteered my time. I just called up the hospitals and I said, I would like to come and, you know, share some my dance with the patients if you think they're up to it. And they said, oh my God, how wonderful. And so I went to a bunch of hospitals, a bunch of geriatric centers, the VA hospital and all these places. And maybe somebody, and I, I didn't tell yeah. anybody about it. I just did it. And, you know, I think maybe that went around. But anyway, I got all these certificates and I felt very happy. 
and I forgot all about them till I found them lying inside. So I thought, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. I got this. It's a good time to reconnect with good memories. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what was the effect you had on the patients that you performed for? They were, uh, they were kids, uh, especially at Texas Children's. Um, um, some of them, and uh, Shiners, they were some, many of them were in wheelchairs. Texas Children's, uh, some of them were cancer patients, you know. I even went to MD Anderson, too. And um, the very ill children, they couldn't get up. And some of the children who, there were some who had cystic fibrosis, and they would be okay some days, not okay some days. They would get up and they would dance with me. Others would do all the hand movements with me, and I made some clap. So they, um, everything was, you know, like, uh, it was interactive. And, um, you know, and a couple of kids wanted me to hug them. I was not too sure. I had to ask the nurses, are we allowed to do that to the patients? Because it may, I didn't want to compromise anyone. They said, oh, no, 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 they're okay. You can do that. So they, they were so warm, so loving, affectionate, and they were so willing to try. Um, those that were able to get up and do, they would just move around and jump and kick. The others would just sit in their chairs and do a hand and then clap. So it was, it was a very beautiful thing that I was able to. And they, they seemed to like it. They seemed to like it because I made them, I told them stories and using hand gestures and all that. So children, all children love stories. I mean, as an adult, I love stories still. So I think that, yeah. uh, that uh, I think, is what they like, the storytelling. And then a, being able to enact the storytelling with movements and expressions, I think that made a lot of difference to them. I'm glad they liked it. Awesome. Bring us to the first performance of the of Bharatanatyam in an Indian village in our imaginations. In an Indian village, it must have been a few centuries ago. Um, the solo dancers of Bharatanatyam were at their peak um, in... Um, the late 17th and early 18th centuries, that's where there were a lot of them were, became very, very famous, especially in the early 18th century. And um, 19th century, sorry, not 17th, 18th and 19th century, um, the solo dancers became very famous. They used to be performing in the temples mostly, whether it was a village or a city, there, there were no venues as such, no auditoriums. So the performance space was the temple. And the temple had long corridors. And the moment the name of the dancer was announced, there would be a huge turnout because this dancer, and they were called servants of God, Devadasis. And they, um, unfortunately, they, and most... Uh, it was the saddest thing that happened. They were not bad women at all. They were just, they were dancers. But what happened was during the performances, of course, they were rich men. Not everybody looked at them with uh, you know, um, good eyes. <laughs> there were guys who solicited their favors outside of uh, the performance because they couldn't do anything in the temple. They had to behave well. So the moment they left the temple, they went would go to their houses, and uh, these women became their kind of um, 
mistresses, concubines. Um, they were never married, so they were illegitimate. They were not wives. They were just the mistresses. Their children were illegitimate children, couldn't have the father's name, and could not give a father's name when they joined schools. They had no only the mother's name. So it was very sad. And the women did not ever, ever um, prove to be uh, infidels. They were not... They were not going out with other men. If this one man was the one who had solicited their favor, they thought that they were, they were being true to him, and loyal to him. Yet, the man was not ostracized for, for taking a mistress. The woman was. And unfortunately, after a while, they started losing favor because they got a bad name. People saying, oh, yeah, he's a prostitute. And which was so untrue and so sad. Great artists of the highest, highest caliber, extraordinary dancers, extraordinary singers, they were all ostracized by society as bad women, women of ill repute. And uh, one of the children, the daughter of one of these women, who became the first doctor in India, she joined with the British and she was the one who led the movement of this down with these dancing girls. Doctor of what? Uh, she became an actual physician. She became Doctor, um, um, what was her name? Muthu. Well, I'm just surprised to hear you say she was the first doctor. Are you saying she was the first female doctor or she was the first doctor? First, no, first female. First Indian female doctor. Sorry. First Understood. female Indian doctor. Uh, in India, and she came from this community, and she was so ashamed. She wanted to be able to speak her father's. Somebody asked, "What's your father's name?" And so she joined the British, and she's with the British, and she sat down with all these. So all dancing was banned from temples. These dancers were not allowed to dance anymore. They were so famous, and the temples used to be filled with activity, and it was beautiful dance. It was not, there was nothing wrong. They didn't do any kind of belly dancing. They did all worshipful dances because it was at the temple. So it was a very elevated kind of an experience for the dancer and the, the audience. But when they lost it, they lost all their privileges. They lost all their money. Many died in complete penury and starved, many starved to death. When I was about 12, my mother, one day, brought this lady whose one eye had been destroyed by cataract. It was like white. And uh, she could only see with one eye, an old lady. And then uh, she said she was very solicitous to this old lady. She said, please sit down, brought and made, uh, made the cook give her food and coffee and everything. And then I was saying, who? And then she called me. She said, touch her feet. Typical Indian fashion. So we touched the feet and we did. I bowed down doing the namaste. And uh, she said, you're going to learn some dances from her. I said, but I already have a teacher. She said, no, you're going to learn some special dances from her. Pay attention. And then later on, my mother told me, you better show respect. Just because she's old and she's wearing tattered clothes, you cannot disrespect her. She is one of the greatest dancers. She was a Devadasi, an original Devadasi, one of the most famous. And she taught so many dancers in, during my time. And I'm so honored. I wish I were older. I could have understood what I was learning. I was only 12 and was too young, but I still remember what she taught me because I learned uh, six 
dancers. Uh, her speciality was facial expression, communication, and she was outstanding, extraordinary woman. And I still remember, even with that one eye, when you know, how she taught me to show nuances of expressions. I, yes. oh, I uh, keep thinking with gratitude of my mother, who could, had a vision at that time when I was 12, thinking that it will stand me in good stead later on in life. So, yeah, great dancer. So that's uh, the, in the villages, these were the dancers that one saw in the villages. Great dancers. The teachers were all male. They were male teachers. The performing artists were all young women, beautiful young women, very talented, very blessed with, you know, God's gift of dance and music. And everything just went away for a while, for a while. Thank God there were some very bold women who decided that uh, um, they cannot be cowed down by this and that, uh, you know, they were ostracized again by, because they took up dancing. And these were women from very good families and well-placed families from the upper classes that decided to break laws, rules, and just decided to learn dance and do it. And But for them, we wouldn't be dancing today. Thank God for those bold women who risked when a lot. When did that happen? This happened in the um, 30s, the 1930s. And, um, um, and it, uh, it became, it was like a wave when this one lady decided to start dancing. Uh, she got married to um, a Britisher, 20 years older than her. And that itself was shocking to the Indian community. <gasps> she married a white man. Oh, And then she traveled abroad. Oh, that was even, oh my God, she's gone off to other countries. She saw Anna Pavlova perform in Russia. And she walked up to her, she said, you know, I really, this is beautiful. I want to learn this kind of dance. Where can I learn? So Anna Pavlova looked at her and said, I believe, you're from India, right? Why would you want to learn my kind of dancing when you have such yeah. beautiful dancing in your own country? Go back and learn your dancing. It's way more beautiful. She said, I introduced a little bit of that into my dance. You should go learn it properly. So when she came back, you know, at, she was... 30 when she started learning and she became one of the most famous dancers in the, in the world. So, What's her name? Rukmini. Rukmini Devi. Arundale. That was her last name. Rukmini Devi. And she established the Kalakshetra, one of the world's most famous um, dance institutes. And Are there videos of her? Oh, yes. Several. If you, um, if you Google Rukmini, R-U-K-M-I-N-I. Devi, okay, D, and uh, Devi is another word, D-E-V-I, um, and you will see. My sister interviewed her and did a documentary on her. Cool. So how old was she when you worked with her, when you were 12? I didn't work with her. This was the lady from the upper class who started dancing after people said you cannot dance and it kind of went down. When uh, I, yeah. I, didn't, okay. I never learned from her. I learned from somebody else, but um, I knew her. Who was your teacher? My teacher was a wonderful lady called Sarasa. She was one of the earliest female teachers. And of course, it was a man's world. She had it very hard because of that. She, her, her father died when she was a very young girl. And um, she was raised by um, an uncle who told her that she was too dark to perform dance. 
that all the dancers are fair and beautiful and because she was dark she should just stick to singing but she was a beautiful singer and a very beautiful looking person dark and beautiful and um, she taught me with all the love of a mother not just a, a teacher she was strict but uh, very loving and um, um, taught me a lot of good life lessons too not just dancing so. what what was a life lesson that she taught you she um, she was a very upright person um, the chief minister of uh, Tamil Nadu who the former chief minister who died the female chief minister whose name was Jayalalitha and one of the most popular she was a film star and then she became a chief minister like Ronald Reagan types and she but she was a very good she was a she was a gold medalist from her school she was a valedictorian she was brilliant and she was an excellent orator she spoke impeccable English and impeccable Tamil and she was a natural um, you know she was a leader she was a very bold and when she uh, she was one of my teacher's students I was my teacher's very first student her first student so I had that you know innumerable first in my life but I was her first student and she put everything into me uh, yeah. and on the day of my first performance this young uh, lady her mother had brought her to see the performance and the next day she said she wanted to join the class too and so um, my mother introduced uh, her and uh, she was just she was two years younger than than, uh, than me and uh, she joined class later on we became very good friends and we used to dance together and spend a lot of time together um, um, one I remember one instance where I had a lot of performances I'm an echo every single weekend I was out of town I don't think I was in Chennai for any weekend I missed a lot of school I missed a lot of college I had to get keep getting letters from my parents one time the principal even called for my parents and told them that uh, I was not going to be promoted you have to get promoted to the next yeah. from from when I was doing my bachelor's from first year to second year she said she will hold me back if I don't get a give a good reason for missing school or college and my parents had to go and show all the pamphlets from different performances saying here this is where she was where her parents we travel with her when she attends shows she hasn't gone anywhere she does not she never misses college when she's in town she said okay she said but I don't want her going anymore on weekdays so um, my teacher had accepted to, to, uh, to go to my performance and conduct it because the teachers are the conductors and unless she plays those symbols I cannot dance because she is the one who conducts and I follow her her um, uh, cues after she had agreed to my performance the young lady uh, my friend her mother mother was also an actress and they were very well to do so she called the, my teacher and she said oh, uh, my daughter has a performance on such and such a day so I, I want you to come so my teacher said no I can't I've already accepted I've already told um, Ratna that I'm, I'm attending I'm going with her and the lady said ah no but then I can give you twice that amount of money and my teacher said you know I can't do that because I cannot let her down who will she call now in the last minute you're just asking me she said oh you know you think you're the only one there are other teachers too and she stopped but my teacher didn't punch 
And I learned that was such an uh, eye-opener for me, that really you need to show loyalty to the person who has first you know, asked you. You cannot say, oh, sorry, that other person is uh, giving me more money, therefore I'll go there. So I used to be, I used to spend a lot of time. And I also learned from her what it is to give respect to your students and give them space to evolve. Because though she was completely uneducated, I don't think she even went to school, she um, educated herself in a lot of things. And on Sundays when there were no other classes, she would ask me to come. And there was one other senior student. And she would tell us, she would give us a song and she would say, I want you to choreograph and show me. We were teenagers. And they would say, oh, teacher, we can't choreograph. You don't know anything. And she would say, how long are you going to say you don't know anything? Shouldn't you think, read the words, understand, ask me questions, and try doing something? When will you ever learn to choreograph if you're not analyzing something, if you're not going beyond just being spoon-fed and doing only what I teach you? You need to go past that. She made us think. She made us choreograph. And then she would correct us. And she would say, no, this looks very nice, but this one doesn't go with that. So the combination of steps is not good, like that. So I learned so much by the way she encouraged us to think for ourselves, to become cerebral dancers and not just, you know, just mechanically dancing. You know, dancing correctly, our technique would be fine, but then there would be no soul in the dance. And she was so sure. She made sure that we felt what we did, understood, and were able to decipher, translate that into movement properly. And uh, that was something else I learned from her. And I do that with my students. I tell them that you need to go beyond me, beyond your teacher. You need to do that extra. So I give them a piece of music. I say, OK, you're going to choreograph this for me. Choreograph and show it to me. And they awesome. love doing that. They love doing that. At what age do you give them that assignment? Oh, when they're in high school, and when they're like, uh, 17, 17, 16, 17, 18. That's when they can, they've really, they've been learning from me from the age of four and five, so they have learned it enough to be able to do that, so. I understand today it's a rite of passage. Like Indian girls just do this. They grow up with a teacher, they are loyal, and then they do their, what is it called when they graduate? Arangretram. It's interesting, one of my students went uh, to uh, an interview with Duke University before she, when she graduated from high school. And she was being, of course, the people were non-Indian. And the guy asked her, so have you had your air engagement? And she was like, what? He said, yeah, I wanted to know whether you had your air engagement. And she was wondering, she said, how do you know about this? Well, you know, I mean, we have a lot of students coming in interviewing and they all keep talking about it. They wanted to know how much commitment a student has shown to one activity that they were actually sustaining it through so many years and doing it and going beyond. And these are all the girls who are still coming to class, who still have class with me. They are the ones who are now working and continue. They have online class. They continue to, to dance because, you know, for them it is a commitment for life and that is something, you know, that's, I guess your teachers have to inspire you to feel that. If I didn't have inspiring teachers, I would have dropped it. I would have been a dropout a long time back because it's so physically demanding. How many injuries, you know, how many, my right meniscus I've torn three times, my left meniscus once, and I've hurt my 
back, my arms falling. Oh gosh, cuts, bruises. But compulsively we all dance because you know someone inspired us. Someone put this, you know, this love and passion in the heart. And um, I, I see a, a students even born and raised here. They still have that, and it's a, such a wonderful feeling to see that coming out. You know, and the joy when you know they say, "Ratnanti, we're so happy you're having this class." And I keep thinking, "Oh." Thank God, God, thank you for giving me this opportunity to connect with these beautiful young people through dance. Best thing in the world. As a dancer, you know that. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, there's something really about passing it along. It's like we know we've discovered the fountain of youth. We found the Holy Grail. We, we, we can't take that to the grave. We have to give it to these beautiful young children and people and um it, it's what a great joy to to be able to give it to someone else oh my god it is the it is totally you know it's like it's like you hit the lottery because you know ultimately uh, nothing else matters that you know but seeing the joy on a child's face and making and suddenly you know i i went to oh my god i went to uh Where was it? Lanier Middle School wants to pick up my uh, granddaughter, who was in the eighth grade. And I, this child runs up to me and says, Miss Kumar, Miss Kumar, um, I'm an American child. And uh, do you remember me? I looked at her and said, sorry, sweetie, I, I, uh, I'm sorry. She said, you came to our school and you danced for us when I was in elementary school. And she said, and I remember you doing, you know, your flower and the bee. I said, oh my God. I said, you remember me? She said, oh, I remember you. I went back and I showed my mommy and my, my dad. I showed them all the hand movements. You know, I, was, I almost cried. And I thought, okay, now this is definitely the lottery. This is the, the best thing. That, um, that's, that's it. That's what I say. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, to move on from this world, from this life. And I keep thinking, I really have no regrets. I am, um, you know, other than that I could not go before my, my son. But I keep thinking that I'm glad what I'm doing. I've been able to give something. How long can I take things from, from the world? You know, it has given me so much. But I'm glad I was able to give back something and gave it from my heart I mean not uh, in order to make money you know most of my students all these online classes I'm not even taking money from them I told them you know just I'm happy you're making me do this this is just purely out of love love for you and love for the dance I don't care when they said how do you want us to pay I said forget the payment dance so this is you know I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that I can um, put my head down peacefully at night and, you know, have no regrets and don't feel. The sharing from one generation to the next is a two-way street because it actually gives our lives meaning. It is. It is. It, it, you know, the reward itself, just think of the reward, you know. Um, I keep hoping that my teachers had felt the same when I was dancing. 
because I danced, I was crazy about dance from from the time I began. I think it was it was the most important activity in my life. In fact, punishment, even when I was in my elementary school, it was if I did not listen to my parents, they would tell me, okay, if you don't do what I told you to do, I'm going to tell your teacher. Ah, no, no, mommy, no, 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 please don't tell her I'll do it. So, or I'll stop you from dance class if you don't. So, that was sure to make me do exactly what I was told. So this, you know, even then, I knew that that was one activity I did not want to ever give up. It gave me the greatest joy, and um, I hope that it was rewarding for to my teacher to that. It is. Awesome. Well, you do so much for the children. You you bring them so many different kinds of dance, and you know I know that you feel the same when you see. I see you smiling at the fun day Sunday. I I was watching your face. You were smiling the entire time. You had this. This, you know, like beatific smile. Like you were not, you were not even paying attention to who was there. You were watching those kids doing the hip hop dancing and all that, and you were smiling. We were dancing, and you had this happy smile on your face, as only someone can have when they are really happy and enjoying what they're watching. So, you know, yeah, that made me feel very good when I saw you that day. You know, it's only someone who really loves. An activity that they can feel that inner joy, and you can see it on their face. Oh man, those little kids sitting in that circle with you were just eating out of the palm of your hand. It was incredible. They didn't. They were just. And just to catch our listeners up, this was a program that we did at Memorial City Mall every Sunday for two hours, three to five p.m., free and open to mall goers. Which, man, I mean, Memorial City Mall is like it's the mall. That's that's the mall. You, everybody's there. You're, we were bringing what we do straight into the heart of just like a cross section of Houston that, that really includes everybody. And each week we would bring together a different like kind of mashup. So here Rothna is with Jesse Germ from uh, uh, the Rad Academy. And, you know, it was incredible. To, to see um, just, you know, just parents bringing their kids to the mall, you know, going to American Girl and picking up a cookie and then, hey, what's this Indian dance thing that I can just sit? Oh, yeah, go do that. Go do that. You know, and the girls just sat down and, I mean, they were glued. And it was so cool to and see this lady, different... When we were leaving, this lady walks up and says, are you going to be doing this again sometime? I said, I'll check with Andrea and let you know. And she said, oh... Good because I'd like to see my daughter. My daughter loved it, so I felt so good. I said, "Wow, she really wants to see us again." And evidently, they enjoyed themselves. So maybe you should take it to all the malls because malls are where you know there are lots of people who don't know anything about it. Total strangers are captivated by this, uh, you know, hitherto unseen, unknown dance form. Some from some distant part of the world they will not have a chance to go to or maybe don't know much about and. It's such a revelation to a lot of people. It's a wonderful thing. I think they should introduce dance in all the malls. Yes, for sure. I loved how interactive it was, that you could, mm-hmm, you could really perform and engage. Well, hats off to you for that, that uh, initiative. 
uh, many, 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 I think maybe more than 20 years ago, J.C. Penney had something called um, um, Journey to India. And uh, they had, uh, um, in all the J.C. Penney stores, it was like a month-long celebration. They had Indian fabrics, Indian, um, they had Indian um, uh, music, Indian dance, and we performed lots of them. They even paid us. They paid us quite well. We performed at all the stores. My st students went and danced at different stores every single weekend for like a whole month. And uh, continuously, it was the entire weekend from Saturday morning till evening. They had the full, they had a program listed outside and there were hundreds of people who came and watched. And it was uh, the same, just like here. They, there were a lot of people who had said, oh my God, we've never seen this before. And were, that's the reason why I'm saying, Andrea, you need to, you need to take this to all the malls and do this what you did yes it's it's we should I, and I love as a mom bringing my kids every Sunday because they're getting I mean literally I didn't I only had that one flamingo show that I ever saw when I was a kid and here they are <laughs> you know in the midst of it seeing everything um doing it being uh in, infused with the the mu music and just, you know, vibing with the joy of the crowd. It's, it's fun. And I think for your dancers, like you bringing them out into the public, not, it's different, a little different from a recital. When you take them to those festivals and, you know, places where people are just there for like their own reason and your dancers stop them in their tracks and entrance them, they learn the power of their personal expression. Absolutely. That is the best moment. You know, that's maybe you've changed one life somewhere, you know. That one life that you have touched, that one person who's seen beyond just the dancing and feels something else. That person, you know, who knows, they may take up some other form, some form of art or you have already made them, you know, sensitize them to this beautiful art. So I love that you keep stepping forward and you, you've made the journey and you've, you've shepherded along a new type of uh, ritual in, in your culture where this dance was, it went from being uh, a folk tradition to being banned to being an re act of rebellion and now it's a rite of passage. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it was never, you know, Bhatanatyam was never a folk tradition. The folk dances are separate. Bhatanatyam was always a classical dance form. But unfortunately, it did uh, almost uh, get wiped out. And I'm glad that it got resurrected. And uh, it is where it is today and accepted as one of the most beautiful art forms in the entire world. Um, but it is, uh, in India itself, when I was learning, it was every single child in every household studied dance or music. It is a rite of passage. But here, the graduation has become a more significant thing. Like when you graduate from high school, you know, you get your diploma. So graduating with a diploma from a dance institute also has become a very significant activity here uh, for the Indian community. The students not, don't just learn for eight, nine years and just stop. Um, the fact that they have sustained an interest and a commitment to this art for eight, nine years itself is wonderful. Through the, you know, their P, PSAT and SAT and everything, ACTs, they still, you know, they are still keeping 
they're um, being as dedicated as ever. And so they want to see some kind of a, um, of a reward for what they have done. And so this uh, graduation and diploma are, um, are like, um, like, a high, like a graduation party where they, you know, that, that's what it is. It's a celebration of uh, the number of years that they've put into the dance. And it's become very, very important in the lives of many young kids here, not just necessarily those from South India for whom um, Bharatanatyam is like, I um, mean, their parents knew about it very early, but children from other parts of India whose parents have no idea what this is and still feel a draw and want to learn and learn for many years, continue do their their Arangitram and continue after that. Those are the ones who obviously there's dance inside them, within them. So Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the hands? The hand movements, um, uh, I'm going to tell you something very interesting, just a little uh, story that uh, how the belief of how dance began. I believe that, you know, like, it's like, like a little bit like, like Sodom and Gomorrah story. They, the, in India, they believed that there was a time when the people had become extremely bad and extremely wicked. And there were a few holy men, some sages, the wise men, who were concerned. They said, you know, the people have become so bad, what is going to happen? Everything, everybody, everything, they're going to, the whole world is going to get tainted like this. There will be no good people left. So they went to the creator, whose name was Brahma. And they said, Brahma, you're the creator. You are always creating good, good and beautiful things. Can you create something which can help put these people back on the right track? And, you know, because they have wandered away from the path of righteousness. So Brahma went into meditation and he said, okay, so um, the Hindu scriptures are supposed to be the Vedas, they say, the four, four books that contain everything. And so what he did was he took an element each from each one of them. Like he took music from one, philosophy from another, literature from another, emotional content from another. And he combined all these and created a fifth Veda. He called it Natya Veda. That is, uh, the, and he called one of the um, very wise men and he said, okay, whose name was Bharata. That's why it's called Bharatanatyam. He said, Bharata, I'm going to dictate to you. So you're going to write down, you're my scribe. Write down all the notes I give you. So Bharata started writing down as Brahma was dictating. And the notes were, okay, this is, in theory, I'm telling you what is dance. That people are supposed to be, and not just dance. It was the, called the science of dramaturgy. It had theater craft, stage craft, um, music, and dance. And very detailed chapters. How do people enter the stage? Where do they stand? How do they hold their arms? That their elbows should be up, hands away from the body. And then that's when the sign language was created. Because they couldn't be talking to the people. So how do they communicate? They had musicians. So how do they communicate what the musicians are singing? Oh, by using hand gestures. So the gestures were created. Hand movements. It was a kind of a stylized sign language. And each gesture had many, many different meanings. Just Pataka, the first one had the meaning of stop and oh my god, or no, everywhere, and you know, up above, here, down, oh no, and just, you know, just saying no, 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 go away, many different things, water, different things, different meanings for each gesture. So they, he analyzed and he explained, and Bharata wrote it down, thousands of pages of notes, and it became the Natya Shastra, the science of 
dramatic art, dramaturgy, the science of dramaturgy, and all everything that we have. And then later on, there was another man called Nandikeshwara who wrote another great book called Abhinaya Darpana, and that's another book. So on which one, my Kuchipudi is based on Abhinaya Darpana, my Bharatanatyam is based on Natya Shastra. There are a few change, differences here and there, but you know, our bodies are so used to the differences, it doesn't matter. We follow strictly one for this, one for that. But that's how Bharatanatyam got its name, because of Bharata who wrote down this, um, the Natya Shastra and passed it on. And the people, he got some of his disciples to learn it. He, um, all the theory, he converted into practical you know, usage. And when he trained these people, he said, go out into the world and do this. And so when they started dancing, you know, all the people, like drunken people, you know, people were gambling and all that. Suddenly they said, hey, hey, come here. There's something strange going on there. You want to come and see? And they said, yeah, what, what's it? I don't know. They just they look like they're wearing costumes and they're doing something. I don't know what they're doing. But, oh, the guy's singing. Okay, come on, come on. Let's, you know, let's go listen. What is he saying? Oh, wow. So people started getting distracted from their bad ways because they saw something very new, very novel. And they were uh, a little uh, excited by this new um, visual entertainment that they had never seen before. And uh, slowly it started having it good, good effects on um, the people because people um, started realizing because every story was about how the good were rewarded and the bad were punished. So ultimately it went into their heads that, oh my God, if we lead wicked lives, we too will be punished. We better get back to our old good ways and become good again. We'll ask for God for forgiveness and let's become good people so that we also get our rewards in, on earth and later. No, no more bad ways. So a little by little people started and this was because of dance and music and theater. These three arts are supposed to have changed the face of, uh, of India. When they say world, world was India. India so that the people became good again. So. That's what they say is the beginning of dance. <laughs> awesome. That's why it was in the temple. That's why the temple was a temple. Absolutely. Absolutely. I see. And so it's a language and a sermon. Yes. Yes. It's uh, because they, they, even then, they, uh, at that time, they realized that the, one of the most powerful tools is storytelling. And that uh, story is told through action, through facial expressions, and through music and instruments and gesture and movement and body language are very powerful and speak volumes. So that's the reason why they put all these together. Finish up with what's your motto? Does that sound good? Or you want to do... Um, I have, in, I have a, um, you know, my, everything that I write ends with Agnes DeMille's words. Everything passes. Art alone, enduring, stays to us. And I believe in that. I believe that long after I'm gone, my art will be there. And uh, long after the next person is gone, that art will still continue through somebody else. And that is the greatness of art that it is eternal and it couldn't be eternal if it were not beautiful. Only beautiful things are remain forever. And um, for that reason, I 
want to continue to do good work in this beautiful art form as much as I can and um, um, leave some kind of a really worthy legacy behind that uh, will be of value to the next generation. Something, something good, good enough that they will, they will be able to use these dances, perform them, teach them. You know, I, I give my music freely. I do not charge anyone, anybody who learns my dance. I tell you, take the music. When somebody else asked me, you know, oh my God, you're giving your music away. I said, what am I going to do with it? Don't you charge? I said, no, I don't charge for my music. I don't, don't even feel like. I feel that they are learning and they are learning with sincerity that they deserve to have the music so that they can dance to it, perform it. And I feel so happy to see them dancing to that music and good music. So that's, that's what I feel, that this art will continue for a very, very, very long time. But we need to create those, um, those souls, those uh, evolved souls that can take this and continue this legacy and not just drop it by the wayside, you know. I, we, we need to, as teachers, each one of us has uh, that responsibility to create others uh, with the same kind of passion that we have so that they will continue this and pass it on. So it's like the Olympic torch, you know, that it has to keep lighting another torch, lighting another life and for a very, very long time. My guest today is Rathna Kumar. Rathna, thank you for being a part of Dance Talks. Oh, and always a, a part of your dance world, Andrea. Thank you for coming into my life.